Good evening. I guess I'm on now. Yeah. When, when the, that first thunder came, I don't know if that was God sending a message to all of y'all or sending a message to me. So uh, thank you for having me. Uh, it's been an interesting day. Uh, actually, I started my day at 7 o'clock down the street at the Crescent Center uh, talking to a group of uh, people and went downtown, came back out here and talked to a group of folks at lunchtime. And now I'm back here for dinner. So my only request today, you know, I did say a prayer over here. And I heard catfish was being served. And I said, Lord, please let them have Louisiana hot sauce. <laughs> and so I walked in and saw the Louisiana sitting on the, the, the serving table. I said, God answered my prayer. So I know I am in the right place. So... Um, uh, you know, a lot of people talk about the bridge, and I tell people I am not that smart. Uh, I just heard God saying, boy, get up there. I didn't know what I was getting into. I just went, and he had already figured it out because my first plan didn't work at all. Uh, my commander turned to me and said, man, I hope that wasn't your best move. <laughs> what are you going to do now? I said, man, I have no earthly idea. I just knew we were stuck at the bottom, and I needed to go up there. And then some guy walked up to me. Never met him in my life. He's just a big dude. He said, director, man, what you need? I said, bro, I need to get from here all the way up there. And he said, okay. And I grabbed a couple of the officers, and I didn't let my white officers get out of the car because it was a little tense. People were beating on the door trying to get at them. And, um, and we just started weaving through the crowd and, and worked our way up the bridge. And by the time we got to the bridge, got it off. We were ready, figured it out. He just told me to get out the way, and things started unfolding. So a lot of people credit me for that. Uh, that I was just the guy that, that he sent to do something. So uh, that I could really stop there, but since y'all invited me here, for the next 30 minutes, I'll quickly go uh, through my story. And uh, sometimes it's interesting. So tonight, you know, I got to sit at the bell table. So wave your hand, bell people. All right, some of them are bell people. Some of them are the guys that he didn't know who these folks were. Uh, they are just sitting at his table. So like I said, it's my third speaking engagement. Uh, it's been a busy, fun day. Uh, but what a great way, what a great way to end a night. Here at this place, because when I pulled up, it reminded me of a place that I'm going to show you later. So I'm going to end with a treat that none of my people have ever seen because I just did it probably an hour ago before I got here. Uh, yesterday, I celebrated 28 years of service with NPD. Uh, the way things go, so it's like I'll do 30 in the Army and 30 on the police department. So when I talk to young people, young men... I always like to see, you know, groups of young men here. And uh, and so the older guys say, well, what are you going to do when you grow up? I'm going, goodness gracious, I did 30 in the Army, 30 on the police department when I in. They're like, well, you got to go do something else when you grow up. So young men, just know that you think getting out of high school is one thing. That is nothing. When you retire after 30 years, folks are still giving you stuff to do, and they expect you to serve. So uh, just remember that. And like I said, I'll finish with this. So I'm going to try to go through this very quick. This is my story, folks, and I, I hopefully you can see that. 
Um, you know, you see, uh, I kind of progress through the ranks. Uh, and I, everywhere I go, I recruit because it's the most thing. Can you turn me down a little bit? Uh, it's the most important thing we can do for our city, okay, is recruit great young men and women that want to make a difference in our community. So here's something very simple. I, I think uh, I can't remember how many churches. I see several members of our clergy academy graduates in here. I see a lot of my friends in the room. So, so how many churches are in Memphis? Somebody said a bunch. <laughs> it's a bunch, right? I, I, I don't know what the true number is. Some, sometimes people know that number. Uh, I don't know. If each church in Memphis, there are at least 300 churches, will we agree? So if each church sent me one good man or woman, we can turn this city around. First thing I said when I was appointed is that churches send me one good man or woman that can come and do the work in the street. Y'all have trained them. You've taught them. Right? Well, now you need to send them to me so we can put them to work. We'll change this city in a very short period of time. So I know that we got people here from all different denominations all over the city. Send me one. So more stand up. So my recruiter is here to take names and phone numbers. Okay, Officer Moore is here to get them signed up. So I'll do my little recruiting message. It's a good job. You see that we're one of the most diverse departments in the nation. We're almost 50-50. So we're really somewhere around 57% African American. Okay? One of the most diverse departments in the nation. One of the few departments that our demographics reflect the demographics of our city as, as close as possible. So... Kind of jump through that. Qualifications, 21 years of age. If you're 18, we'll bring you in to be a police service technician. So we had a group of young people graduated high school in May. In July, they were, they were uh, wrapping up the police academy as police service technicians. Earning $26,000 a year, and we pay for their college. 18, graduated as a police service technician. $26,000 a year, and we're paying for their college, and they're out serving, serving our community right now. And so I call that opportunity for where I came from. And I, and I realize that I, that's my job. My job is to talk to people about opportunity, and I try to do that. And there is an opportunity. So here are the good character requirements. If y'all know somebody like that that is in your church or outside of your church, I need them. You can send them to join NPD.com. So why am I talking about this? Because you got the benefits, you get good pay, and I know there's a lot of controversy about that. And let's talk about my life. So uh, uh, I appeared in Time Magazine, shows the glory of God to take a little knucklehead like me and put me in Time Magazine. Uh, shot on the pistol team, so I'm really a gun guy. I shot on the pistol team. I still compete. Uh, I'm actually pretty decent. Uh, I was sitting, it's almost like a biblical story because I screwed up and I got banished to Beale Street for a year. That was my punishment, to leave the academy, go down to Beale Street and walk those cobblestones. 
You walk those cobblestones for a year, it will change your attitude, young man. So sometimes you do get sent to the woodshed. It'll get you straightened out. You look at life a little differently. All right. So why is there a picture of the National Police Memorial? Because unfortunately, almost every year since 2011, we've lost a Memphis police officer. Almost every year, except 2014 and last year. Last year, we had no officer fatalities. So everybody was celebrating uh, right before midnight. I was praying. I didn't want to have to go back to Washington, D.C. with a family and tell them how much we appreciate the sacrifice of their loved one. And a lot of you folks are, are some of you are pastors. And you know it's hard to get up there and preach a eulogy or to help a family during those tough times. So while everybody was celebrating, I was saying, oh, God, please do not let us lose another Memphis police officer. Because it sucks the life out of me. What do you tell a mother or a father? Thank you for your service. Don't work. That flag doesn't work because there's still babies that need to be raised. So that's why that picture is up there. Uh, community. We know that our job as Christians uh, is to go out in the community and work, bring people to God, but help people live a better life. Teach them that if you want to get out of your situation, education is probably the number one tool. I have yet, and I know I'm at church, I have a losing lottery ticket in my pocket. Okay, so yes, I do buy lottery tickets. If I win, Pastor White, I will donate a sizable portion to the church. <laughs> and it's probably not a preacher in here that won't turn down that money. So Mike, this dirty money, but go and put it in that basket right there. Put it in that basket right there. So we got to get back to the community. We get the train. I told you I'm a gun guy, and I'll get through this quick. I'm not moving, okay? Attend at the FBI National Academy. Uh, I try to tell folks that if you want to make a difference, join the force. I know Star Wars just spent billions of dollars. You can, too, be a Jedi fighter or whoever you want to be, a Jedi warrior or whatever, but join the force. Now, have fun. A lot of times, you know, I have a very tough job along with a lot of other people. So I try to have fun and I laugh a lot. And I think we really need to talk about that because a lot of people don't laugh a lot. Young men across the city... They're beefing on Facebook. One posts something the other doesn't like. The other responds on social media, and they start beefing back and forth. Then guess what? They meet up with guns, and sometimes they shoot it out. Unfortunately, there are innocent victims that sometimes get caught up in that. So if there's, if there's, if there's, there's a couple of things that we can do, as, as men, and I know this is, this is focused on me and my P.O. Karen Rudolph. Wave your hand, Karen. You're probably the only woman in here, so she's here with me. Okay, she's my public information officer and keeps me straight. Uh, but we have to go out and try to, and the merits asked us to do a few things. Mentor. Mentor a young person so that they are not only hearing from who they see in their family or on the block. Tutor someone, tutor a young person so that by the time they get to third grade, they can read at third grade reading level. And the other one is adopt a block so we can clean up our city. I think those are three things that we can do. Can we agree? Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
Three simple things. Three simple things. So I spent a lot of time talking to young people, okay, about how they see the world, about their future. Uh, unfortunately, sometimes I talk to them while they're locked up in juvenile court. Uh, I was a juvenile court on spring break last year talking to some young people, and I asked them, I said, why are y'all here? You look out the window, other folks are enjoying spring break, you're locked up in juvenile court for some decision you made. Same thing, young men in 201 Poplar are at the federal penitentiary. Same thing, decisions you made that have taken your freedom away. So I know that my job is not just to arrest people. I can't ignore the stuff. I mean, people do some pretty serious stuff in town. I can't ignore it, but I know that my job is not just to arrest people. It's try to help them make better decisions. So as they're navigating life, they don't go down the wrong road. Because how many of you went down the wrong road before? Man, everybody's hand ought to be up. Everybody. Somebody got you straight. Okay? Sometimes it's just the voice of God saying, hey, fool, what are you doing? Don't do that. Or some person taking time to shake you and shake you back into reality. But unfortunately, now we don't do enough of that shaking. And my daddy whipped me almost every single day, I promise you. Until <laughs> I was about 14, and he's, he's buried a, a, a couple of miles down the road. And I appreciate every whipping he ever gave me. It took me some years to get over that. But when I realized, probably about 18 years old, when I basic, went to basic training, I called him back and said, man, thank you. He said, thank me for what? I said, thank you for, for making sure you brought me up and taught me the difference between right and wrong and beat my butt until I got it. You know, he was like, he was like, man, I was blown away. So you can still enjoy life. Uh, now, get to hang out with the big shots. So I, I, I give this to kids because they think that as a police officer, you can't have any fun. As a police officer, you're locked in, but you have all these amazing opportunities. I got an opportunity to work with the circus, okay? And I thought that was kind of a cool shot that that's Asia, and she kind of liked me. Yeah, yeah, she's trying to kiss me, okay? Uh, you know, be a model family. And, and, and I wanted to, and I'm almost through because I really want to save time for questions I have learned that the most important thing, and although my, I've lost both my mother and father, uh, my daughter joined the Army for whatever reason. I couldn't figure it out. So my grandkids are, are, are nine hours away. Uh, I'm not married. I'm married to MPD. Because if I had a wife, she would be a jealous wife. Because MPD takes up a lot of my time. Uh, but family is so important. So uh, make sure, and I know that there's somebody sitting in this room and you hadn't talked to your son or your daughter in a while. Because something happened. And they're mad at you, and you're mad at them. Somebody's got to make that first step and say, I'm sorry. Somebody's got to make that first step and say, I love you. Somebody's got to remind them, I am your father. You're my son. You're my daughter. Somebody in this room, I hope you leave here tonight and make that happen. Because what I learned from working at the academy for 10 years, the officers would say, are you running for office or what are you politicking for? Because I would walk around and I would shake 
everybody's hand. And I would share with them that you don't know how many times I've seen a person at in-service training. They come once a year, and it was the last time I saw them. The next one was, well, hey, man, you know that Officer Jones, he just got killed. So, man, he was just here two weeks ago. So I made sure I didn't miss an opportunity to speak to someone because it was the last time that I may see them and try to get to know them so that would not happen. All right. My daughter, I don't have added pictures of my grandson, but I talked about kids because I know. And my daughter is 25. She knows everything. <laughs> right? 25 knows everything. So obviously the older she gets, the smarter I get, right? All right, y'all have had those phone calls. Uh, all right, told you I served uh, in the military for 28 years, uh, 30 years, 30 and a half. So, uh, folks, how many veterans do we have in the room? Oh, outstanding. Outstanding. Yeah, very much. Thank you. For your service, because it is because of your sacrifice that we are able to exercise all of our freedoms that many people do not get. And they will never see the same country. This is the greatest country on earth. And often people complain and I always say, I tell you what, I can take you to some places I've been and leave you. You'll be screaming. For somebody to come get you and bring you back home. You'll be screaming. So our job is also to educate people and teach them, you know, what the rest of the world is like. All right. Larry Godwin, uh, great director. Tony Armstrong, great director. I took the, the range from him. Two great police directors. So, you know, folks, life is all about relationships. Okay. Developing relationships, and obviously you you folks get it, because you meet, you you develop relationships, you share information, you mentor some of these young men, and you're trying to help everybody, you know, have a better life, and I think that's great. All right, and room to go. So, this little dude, look at him. Does he look happy? Man, that was me every day. Just mad to be mad. Don't even know what I was mad about. And luckily, over the years, you know, I was able to, to grow and develop and learn what life was really about. So, now, some kids, I was talking to a group of kids, and the guy said, man, you're on the back of a bus. Like, I made it. I said, well, it, 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 but I didn't think about what he said until we broke ground at I'm a man plaza so I took my a lot of my command staff and, and some more commanders down there and so as we honored the sanitation workers who 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 went on strike in 1968 I put my officers behind them so we could protect them so for me as an African-American man it, it didn't dawn on me because God's always trying to teach you something so, my father, at one point, had to sit on the back of a bus. I am on the back of the bus 
but I'm on the outside of the bus as an advertisement. Isn't God amazing? Some little kid, some little kid pointed that out to me. And I was like, wow, that is an amazing story. But I share that story to let people know that somehow God maneuvers you to do things that you never. I didn't want to be police director. I'm going to make, make that perfectly clear. I retired in 2015. We have something called a drop program, deferred retirement option program, meaning that I dropped in 2015. April of 2015, meaning that in three years, you know, I tell people I, I went to Wooddale, I graduated, so 15, 16, 17, 18. So in a couple of months, folks, I was supposed to be gone. So when the mayor approached me, I was like, mayor, why in the world would anybody want that job? You going to get blamed for everything? It's a thankless job. I worked, watched Director Garwin, Director Armstrong work all the time. And, and I didn't want any parts of that. Nobody knew me. And then God obviously started putting things in motion. So... So many things have to happen for me to have this opportunity. So I just wake up every day knowing that it is my job to serve. Somebody's always trying to talk me out of serving. Man, why are you doing that? Why don't you go do this and go make some money? Why don't you move here? Aren't you tired of all this stuff? I said, well, well, some days, yeah. But, I mean, there was a lot of tired people. Jesus. Right? Moses. I said, my life is easy. My ancestors, they came in the bottom of a slave ship. My dad, watching him work hard so his bad son could have opportunity. So my job is easy. So, so, so. And then to have people like you walk up to me and say, you, you guys don't know me and say, chief, we're praying for you. I'm going, wow, this is amazing. Me, I'm not worthy of that. But through God's grace, we're all here, right? I get it, folks. I get it. And I try to, I never, if somebody told me five years ago, you will be expressing your faith in front of the whole city. Man, are you crazy? I try to sit in the back of the church pew. There's no way I'm going to do that. That's nobody's business. But next thing you know, this stuff's coming out of my mouth. Oh, wow. So, so you know, my message for you is pretty clear. You know, obviously, you are men of faith, or you probably wouldn't be here. Um, you know, God has done amazing things in my life. I am not deserving. I'm only here by God's grace and mercy. And I understand that. And I'm thankful of that. And I appreciate it. And then I'll finish. And I told you I had a treat for you. So, uh, September of last year, I was able to spend a week in Israel. All right. So here's the test. This is Holy Land trivia. All right. So Karen, we're gonna see see uh, how smart uh, these folks are. So, hold up the cup, Karen. 
We'll see who yells it out. What's the first site I went to? Where? (laughs) Hey, hey, Karen. He gets it. He gets it. He's a smart aleck, but he gets it. All right. What did you say, Reverend? All right. So I gave y'all a hint. All right, young men, sometimes the teacher writes the answer on the wall. (laughs) The Church of the Nativity in Bethlehem. So the first trip was to Palestine and then to Bethlehem. And so we'll follow this, folks. So here we are. For me, this was just amazing, okay, because I never thought I'd be there uh, to go to uh, Bethlehem, to the Church of the Nativity, then go to the Western Wall to see the Temple Mount, but to understand the conflict. So, the Western Wall is, the, is, is I think, the second holiest site in what religion? No, think about it. Somebody said it over here first, though. No, the Western Wall. Who said Judaism? All right, he gets a... He gets, come on, my band of white people, y'all got to get to work. Hold your your hand up. So from what I've been taught, I know I got some pastors here, so I told you this is a little trivia, right? That the Western Wall was what's left of the temple. Okay? And it's the second holiest site, or maybe the holiest site in Judaism, but he said it. Now, the, the, um, the Temple Mount, And actually, let me correct myself. The Western Wall is the holiest site in Judea. Judea, I can't even say it. Somebody help me out. Judaism. The the Temple Mount is the what holiest site in Islam? All right. How many for second? How many for third? I can't remember. Somebody's got to Google it. It's the second. It's the second or third. Somebody Google it real quick and uh, give us the answer. Come on, I, I, sir. The second, second holiest site. So let's see who's honest. Who yelled out second first? My man in the Boy Scout shirt. He already knew it. Second holiest site. Now, why is there conflict? Why is there a conflict at that site? Is it sibling rivalry? You got to explain that. Hey, that was that was a pretty good way to introduce that topic. So, give that man a, a, a MPD cup. All right. Now, think about this though, and I know I'm gonna wrap it up. What's going on at this site right now? Is there still conflict? Yeah, it's been a turf war, but the, it, it was it, it really. Get, thank God it was quiet when I went. But right after I got back, I mean, it just fired back up. Why? How did it get fired back up? 
Who? The embassy. What about the embassy? Embassy. So, I mean, uh, somebody just should have said Trump. (laughs) I mean, did anybody say Trump? Who? You said Trump? And granted, it's more than that, but I think it's the, the announcement from President Trump that, that geared back the controversy. So wave, wave your hand. You got to thank you, Banner. All right. Now, one of the most remarkable things for me was to be able to walk the path of Christ as he took his final steps. To me, that was the most remarkable thing. So, what is inside the church of the Holy Sepulchre. Oh, give me a breath. <laughs> True. Can you say that louder? The, the sepulcher where he was buried, the uh, slab that they prepared his body for, and the post uh, where they had the cross. Yeah. All right. Give him a trinket. Now, I was able to put my feet in the Sea of Galilee. Is the Sea of Galilee a sea? Or is it something else? Alright, who, who was the first one to say lake? Alright, hey, hey, we got about three winners. Three, four. So, so Daryl, we got one here, one here. It was two over here. Karen. Alright, so it's a really a big old lake. But I didn't know that till I got there. So, what town is mostly associated with the Sea of Galilee? I don't know. Y'all got to Google it. I don't know. I can, young man. Capernaum. All right. They said that's true. So give him something. All right. Good job, young man. All right. Now, what happened at the Mount of Bethesda? Why is that known in biblical history? Who said that? Sermon of the Mount? Is that you? All right. Almost done. The Church of the Annunciation. Why was that church built at that particular site? Oh, I'm glad I got these pastors quiet in here, boy. All right, go ahead. I think you're on the right track. Man, that dude's been studying his Bible. Where you at? I heard a voice from the back. Where you at? All right, he's somewhere. All right, I think I'm done. So... Was that fun? Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, are there any questions? And nothing's off the table unless I tell you it is. All right. Please, a few questions. Sir. 21, uh, because in the state of Tennessee. Oh, I tell you what. One of the oldest um, recruits who was uh, somewhere around 55. 55 or 60. We thought, how old? 61. I think we checked them every day saying, hey, dude, you don't have to keep doing this, man. 
We are not trying to kill you. Yes, sir. Our next academy class is uh, March. March 19th. So actually, we're, we're pretty much filling that class. So the next opportunity will be for the August class to join. Questions? Come on, folks. Get, 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 throw me a hardball. You didn't get Hey, Hey, this man's waiting on his trinket. All right. We'll, we'll, uh, uh, so I played soccer um, coming up in junior high school. I went to Sherwood. I shot on the rifle team because I could not play basketball. People see me, all tall black men cannot play basketball. <laughs> I'm the poster child. I couldn't dribble, I couldn't shoot, and I still can't do either one of those things. So so um, I played soccer, I shot on the rifle team, and it seems like I played, played some other sports. So other than that, I, I'm not that good at uh, sports. And people say, you're not a sports fan? I because I suck. Uh, there's not a whole lot I can do. Yes, sir, in the back, and I'll come back to you. Are there any initiatives in Memphis you're aware of to combat fatherlessness besides the mentoring things that you mentioned? So, the, the mayor um, started something called Manhood University. So, take young men and teach them how to be fathers. Um, so, uh, that manhood university is, and I really said it backwards because anybody can be a father, right? We know what it takes. It ain't drinking bath water. It's, you still got to do that to get, become a father. But we are suffering because fathers are not what men. Cause, because men take care of their responsibilities. So, um, that's stuff you learn from other men. You don't grow up knowing it, right? The mother instinctively knows how to nurse. Does a man instinctively know how to be a father? Or is it something that he learns? I, I think you learn it from watching other men. True, but I don't think it's instinctive for a man to be a father. Uh, matter of fact, I know because I watched a lot of young men come up without good role models and they don't know what to do. And so when I go talk to young men that have made the bad decision, you know what they tell me? It's very simple. Director, I didn't have anybody, no good positive role models to teach me. Okay? That's the most common answer. After we get past, yo, sergeant, put a charge on me. I said, man, aggravated kidnapping? Kidnapping? Armed robbery? First degree murder? My Sergeant, put a charge on you? I said, no, 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 let's go back. How did you get here? You got here through a decision that you made, and often it's because they suffer from not having a positive role model. So we as men, black men and white men, and people that talk about my life, you know, I said that there were always positive men and women in my life. Some of them were white, some of them were black. Some of them that were educated, some of them never finished high school. But they took the time to say something to me, to tell me a story, to pull my ear, or for me to just be able to watch them interact with the world. We have to do more of that with young men that don't have that opportunity. Okay? Young men that don't have that opportunity. If we don't, it's at our own peril. 
We have to. It is a requirement. It is not an option. All right. So. Tell us how you start your day, say that first hour. Well, I'll tell you, I can be honest, right? All right, my alarm goes off and I hit snooze about three times. <laughs> On my phone, I finally get up. I pick up my work phone. I go to the the private room and I start reading all my emails and see what incident I really need to be concerned about in the first hour. I thank God, you know, by the time I get to the kitchen, I'm thanking God for waking me up that day, getting my coffee and heading out the door. And, you know, that starts my day. So my day normally starts in, uh, it really starts at 8. Most days I probably don't get to the office till what, 3 o'clock, 3 p.m. So uh, I'm all around the city, boom, 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 walking the door at 3, and I start my work. So normally Daryl and well, Karen are running to the office and, and they're trying to jam everything in because they say, we'll never get to talk to you. You're always so busy. You got to do this, this, and this. And then about 8. Nine o'clock, we start headed out. About 9.30, I eat dinner. I watch the news to see what other crisis I need to be concerned about. Uh, uh, and then I, I try to get a little sleep, try to get six hours of sleep. And that goes like that for uh, about seven days a week. I get to sleep in on Saturday normally at, uh, till nine o'clock. Uh, and then we start again. So most of our days, seven days a week. Uh, the weekends, we probably put in a normal you know, six hour a day, uh, but every day is about 12 to 14 hours uh, every day uh, and probably six on the weekend. So that's kind of my day. Uh, uh, so I was invited to attend a, a Bible study, uh, what, in 2016, I would get up and go. And, and, and a man is just there. And I tell you, I, I hate getting up early in the morning. So, you know, I went kicking and screaming. OK, but I learned so much because I was forced to start reading. Uh, it's like a daily reading. And I'm not going to lie to you and tell you I'm doing it right now because uh, I'm not. But I need to because I think I felt more empowered. Uh, I think I was I was wiser uh, making better decisions. So I know that there are some things uh, that I need to do to to obviously develop my relationship. But man, everybody gets tired. I, I get tired. And uh, so uh, but it helps to know that that men and women all over the city, young and old, uh, are, are supporting us in this this journey. And uh, when people, I mean, every day somebody's telling me, Director, I'm praying for you. And I just go, wow, what a blessing. Uh, some people look at it as a curse, uh, but I've had the most wonderful blessing that I think could be bestowed upon uh, anybody. And I got one last question. I see some eyes are getting heavy. That fish is catching up. And uh, I know it's getting ready to time. Yes, sir. Hey, great question to, to, to end the night with. Um, so it's a number of things. So in 2006, when uh, Director Larry Godwin started Blue Crush, 
uh, we had 1,980 police officers. Okay, 1,980 police officers. So between 2006 and 2011, we built the police department up to right under 2,500 police officers. Okay? So as, as, as Blue Cross was implemented, data-driven policing, uh, and we start building the police force up, violent crime continued to nosedive. I know because I was a chief of uniform patrol, uh, I've had both divisions, so I've, I've been in, 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 at one time I had control of all of uniform patrol, which is the bulk of the police department. I know that you have to have so many people to respond to calls. Each year, here in the last few years, 2.2 million calls come into our 911 call center. 2.2 million calls. A Memphis police officer every year is dispatched to somewhere around 980,000 calls for service. That is a police car is sent to go do something. Everybody understand that? 2.2 million calls come in, 980,000 calls, and then the officers do something called a self-initiated activity. So if officers are out on the street and they're running radar and they stop you and give you a ticket, that's called a special. That is a self-initiated activity. If they see a suspicious person walking down the street, they can stop that person and check them that is a self-initiated activity. So officers are being sent to almost a million calls. They're doing well over a million specials. Okay? So you've got all these encounters, and people talk about, uh, you know, what law enforcement is doing. Manpower is critical. Next time, how many of you like Chick-fil-A? I love Chick-fil-A. Okay, I want you to go in there and count how many people are in Chick-fil-A during a peak hour, lunch or dinner, how many are working? Now, I want you to think about how many officers, what's my minimum complement of officers, and let's say you're sitting in uh, Appling, we're in Appling, Karen, Appling Farms. So, what's my minimum complement for Appling Farms Station, and let's say the evening shift just came on at 5 o'clock, what's my minimum complement? Anybody have an idea? How many, the minimum number of bodies I got to put in a seat? Twelve. Okay, that's my minimum compliment. You will not go in any Chick-fil-A and count less than 12 people in there serving chicken. All right, so you asked a great question because people always ask me that question. Director, we don't need more police officers. I said, you are ill-informed because I have to pay overtime just to put 12 people in a squad car for one shift. Everybody understand that? So we are grossly understaffed, but everybody wants us to do mentor, tutor, coach little league, uh, take kids back and forth to school, director, you ain't doing enough in the community. And I go, folks, I don't have the bodies. McDonald's, Chick-fil-A, Wendy's probably has more people during a peak than I have on almost any given day working one shift 
at the precinct. So, I need more manpower. But there's a number of things we need in Memphis because if my young men were getting educated, they would not be committing crime. So we as a community, and you've heard me say this, that we can't, police can't do it alone. But man, every day I get an email. I just saw another email with somebody saying, directly you need to do this, 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 and that. I got this program. You know my doggone programs? Because one of the biggest school districts in the nation, 40,000 chronically absent or truant students in Shelby County schools. And I know there's somebody here from the schools. 40,000. The kids aren't going to school. They got kids that won't go to school, but they'll break into school at night and take the computers. They'll go steal some. And folks, it's not, it's not funny. It's sad. They'll steal chips and cookies. And then they get a burglary charge. Because breaking in a school is a felony. You're probably going to get retained at juvenile court. Not for a burglary, okay? But when you have a burglary charge, you steal a car, run from the police, you have an accident because you don't really know how to drive, and you kill the little two-year-old baby, your whole life is ruined now from some goofy decision for some chips and cookies. First day of school last year, director, some little kid just got shot. Who the heck got shot? It's the first day of school. Me and Daryl are driving from somewhere. I said, Daryl, go to the hospital. I want to see this kid. First day of school, young man laid up in the med, bullet hole in him. Went in there to talk to him. The mother started talking to me. Mother, with all due respect, I did not come here to see you. How did you get shot on the first day of school? I already knew the fact he wasn't in school. Where were you at? What were you doing? So, young man, what were you doing? Well, I, I wasn't in school. They wouldn't let me register. They? Like it's Oz. Young man, who is they? They wouldn't let me register for school. Why wouldn't they let you register for school? I missed a few days. Young man, how many days did you miss? Oh, about 30. I said, young man, you didn't miss a few days. You quit going to school. If you would have stayed in school last year, you wouldn't be laying in here with a bullet hole in you on the first day of school. You would have been doing like the rest of the young men, or most of them, in school trying to figure out how am I going to get my education. Those are the decisions that young men, and I hope you're listening, little bitty decisions like that. Hey, man, we ain't going to go to school. Yeah, I don't want to go to school either. But we're going to go over here and, 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 and play uh, video games. And then some kid pulls out a gun. Hey, man, look at my daddy's gun. They don't know what they're doing with it. Boom! Here's a dead 13-year-old flopping on the ground. Folks, that happens at least five times a year. Child shot another child. Fooling with something, and they should have been somewhere else trying to get their education. You don't come back after you're dead. And I think we hit the reset button too much on the game. I play video games. Remember, grandson, man, it's cool. You get blown up to 15 pieces, hit the, hit the start button. You start back up. 
You left, but guess what? I think really it's hard for some, some people to realize that, son, you don't come back from that. I've talked to young men in juvenile court. Director, when am I going to get out of here? No, man, didn't they tell you? You're not getting out of here. You're going to do about 15 years for what you just did. Some mistakes you don't get to recover from. That's our challenge in Memphis. So there's so much that we have to do. We can't pick one little program and say that it's going to work because we know that that's not true. And I see some folks in here, and we've had conversations like this. Some of you are in the trenches every day. You're working in juvenile court. You're working in the, in, in, in the Shelby County Sheriff's Office, the DA's office. You're working out there mentoring schools. You're, in the, you're, you're, you're doing all type of stuff. But we know it's going to take all of us working together across racial lines, across religious lines, across economic lines to try to help some of these folks see that there's a better life than what we're choosing. Is that simple? It's simple. So again, I want to thank you. Um, I do want to invite, and I'm I'm pretty sure y'all may have an email group but we do a clergy academy every year, uh, and so I definitely want to invite you to uh, join our clergy academy. Uh, and, and unfortunately, I don't have my flyers here tonight. But who, who, where's my organizer? Uh, who invited us here? I don't see you anywhere. All right, well, Daryl, we'll get with him and send him the flyers to the clergy academy. So the next time y'all meet, oh, there you are. You hiding? I can't remember your name. I'm sorry. Yeah, you. <laughs> but but we'll invite you to the clergy academy. Uh, we ask you to join the Citizens Police Academy, clergy academy. But just support your law enforcement officers. Next time you you encounter a law enforcement officer, I don't care who he or she is. I don't care if they're being nice or they're being obnoxious. Just tell them and say, Officer, I am praying for you. You can change that encounter. An officer told me that, no, a citizen said, director, I did that. And your officers start crying. It's a big old burly guy. Make the right decision. And I'm going to help you do that because I'm going to keep you in prayer. So you asked me, what did I want? You already said it. Pray for our city. Pray for our police officers. Pray for our service members. And let's pray for each other because if we love each other more, we won't be so mean and hateful to each other, right? Yeah, that's easy. We know Valentine. You get forget to practice tomorrow, Valentine's Day, right? We can't make I love you just one day out of 365 days. It should be every single day. So that's my challenge to you. Let's love each other more, hate each other less, forget about color and economic conditions, and just.